It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. You're listening to the Bears Brothers Podcast and Post Game Show, the place where Bears fans across the globe hang out online after every Bears game. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast. This is your host, Little Wit, and I hope that you are doing well now a couple of days removed from the Bears' letdown in MetLife. I want to let you know that even though that loss was a tough pill to swallow, it's time for all of us as Bears fans to take a collective breath and refocus as we're officially in Week 14, which consists of a game that we've all circled on our calendars since the schedule's release months ago. That's right. The 11-1 LA Rams are coming into town for a huge primetime matchup on Sunday night. To kick things off for this week's preview, we first need to meet the opponent, which is why earlier today I sat down with Derek Ciapala and Norm Hightower, the two hosts of the Talk Rams podcast. They provided some interesting insight about the Rams in all three phases, and additionally, it was comforting to hear and learn about the respect that they have for our Bears. So here we go. Here is that discussion with Derek and Norm. Derek, Norm, again, thank you for taking the time. I'd agree evening to guests on our show. I was just a guest over on your show and had a blast talking about this Bears-Rams game coming up this week. But I have to ask you, how's it going? Awesome. I'm still tired from the Detroit game. Yeah, you guys I'm, traveled I'm getting there. old. Yeah, we yeah. did. I traveled from Baltimore to Ohio to his house and then drove to Detroit and then drove back to his house, and then drove back to Baltimore. So, yeah, it's been a long, long weekend, but it was well worth it. It was, definitely. All right, so I have uh, about a handful of questions for each side of the ball to ask you, so we're just going to jump right on into the waters, and we're going to go ahead and begin uh, with your offense. Um, 
But first, I want to kind of take a big picture takeaway from that game against Detroit because that was the game was a little bit closer than I thought it was going to be. It was 16 to 13 entering that fourth quarter, and obviously the Rams did enough to kind of pull away and earn that victory and, of course, that division title. But uh, to start things off, and Derek, I want to go over to you first. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway from last week's game? Well, the biggest takeaway for me from the game was not really much about the Rams as much as how tough Detroit is, I, if I'm honest there. I, you know, the Rams come off a bye. They have they're, – they're not perfect. They have flaws. They have things that, that teams can expose. And Detroit had a really solid game plan on how to attack the Rams' offensive line. They had a solid game plan on how to attack the Rams' defense, especially coming out of halftime. Just dink and dunk, utilizing tight ends, utilizing short – passes off to the off to the right and to the left they had a solid game plan it's just that in the end the Rams just had too much for them so it was not as much as what I took away from what the Rams did it's what the Lions did to the Rams to keep it close it, it was it was actually pretty impressive and I had to think that the Lions are going to be challenging guys in a couple of years like if they if they focus they're a draft or two away in my opinion Sure. Yeah, absolutely. They've played us tough really well in November as well. So I definitely understand where you're coming from. And when I was preparing for the show, it was an interesting week because uh, usually uh, when I'm looking at teams, um, I kind of plan on asking our guests uh, a couple of questions to get some insight about that opponent's weaknesses. And when I'm looking at the Rams, especially the offense, I'm hard pressed to find many of those. And honestly, I don't have a single one I want to ask um, in particular about. So, Norm, I want to go over to you. I mean, this offense, second in total yards, second in points scored. Are there any weaknesses? And, again, I'm using that term vaguely uh, with this offense that you see the Bears defense potentially being able to exploit. Uh, certainly. The The biggest worry I have going into this game with the Rams offense is the pass rush. And the reason for that is golf tends to fumble the ball a lot. And – you know, with a guy like Khalil Mack on the other side who likes to cause a lot of fumbles, I can see that being a big problem. And so that really concerns me. And just turnovers overall, uh, we don't turn it over much, but when we do it. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Tends to cost us really bad. So I would say my biggest concern and the biggest weakness for them right now would be your front seven sack fumbling Jared Goff and scoring quickly and getting us in a hole in a hurry. And that's what I really kind of worry about in this game. Yeah, no, absolutely. And looking at that backfield, of course, you have Todd Gurley leading the NFL in rushing yards with uh, 1,175. He's also averaging five yards per carry this year. Also leads the NFL in rushing touchdowns with 15. Obviously, um, life is good as a Rams fan. So for some of our listeners who potentially haven't been able to watch the Rams play this year. Uh, Derek, would you be able to explain why Gurley's been so successful this year and the challenges that he's going to present our defense? He has a really unique gift physically. And a lot of running backs come out, they're fast guys, not as physical. There's some 
great physical backs that struggle to be the kind of guys who will bust through a hole. And he has both. And it's also you add in his his pass catching ability. So he's just so dangerous anywhere in the field that a team has to focus on him every down. And then when you go away from Todd Gurley, the Rams, which they'll do, the Rams, there are times you think that Todd Gurley's not playing because they'll go out there and they'll throw 10 passes in a row and you're sitting at home going, run the ball, run the ball. But then they'll go back to him and then they'll, he'll, he'll bury them. So what's special about him is he's so multifaceted. He's got so many different things he can do. He's got great vision. And then the Rams have enough weapons around him that when they come back to him, he's, he's a danger every time he touches the ball to score. And so he's, he's, he, to me, is the best in the league right now. Plus, he's very intelligent. I mean, yes. you know, the, the fact that he could have ran the ball in uh, on that last touchdown – Real easily, but yet took the took the tackle at the one yard line, cost him a timeout, went through the two minute warning, wasted time. So I, I think that's some things that you need to to keep in mind too. He's a very smart player. He's a mad, that was a Madden play. You know, that was what we called it. He's a Madden play. He used to go up the field, get to the, the goal line, and then skitter up the one yard line to keep you from getting tackled. He did exactly that, and it, we were like, "Well, just go score. It'll, it'll, it'll put the game away." But then in the end, he still got his touchdown. He took a timeout. Got him through a two-minute warning, and I'm certain thinking it worked. And almost everything the Rams do offensively in the end will work. And that would be the problem that any defense, whether it's the Bears or anyone, will have. Sure. Now, you guys already talked about um, Goff last week and his uh, struggles coming out of the bye, and that was the first time that he failed to throw multiple touchdown passes, and I think in six games. So it's been quite a streak that was ended there by him. Um, but I want to know, looking back at the year when he had some previous struggles, it was against uh, Seattle and Denver. And, Norm, I know you're a film guy. Uh, what were those defenses able to do to kind of, uh, kind of limit Goff's impact and performance in those games? Pressure him up front. <laughs> That's, you know, he's he's like any other quarterback. When you pressure him, he's not going to be as accurate. Although I would say that he's doing a far better job this year than he did last year. And we weren't really utilizing our tight ends much in the beginning of the season against those teams. And we're starting to see that more and more. If I were the bears, that's what I would watch out for Gerald Everett, and Tyler Higby. I think you're going to with your corners and your front seven, especially if you're rushing uh, heavy, I would probably look towards the tight ends or the screens. Cause I think that's going to be a big part of the game. Great stuff there. Um, on top of this, looking at your receivers, Brandon Cooks, he just reached the 1,000-yard mark for the season. And Robert Woods, he's only 29 yards shy of doing the same. That's really incredible. Uh, so what challenges um, skill-wise do those, do those two players kind of bring to the table um, on Sunday night that's going to kind of challenge our corners? Uh, Derek? They're route running. They're, they're, they're saying route runners. It's kind of unique that you asked that question because Norm and I were at the game, and we actually just took time to watch how the Rams prepare. And Brandon Cooks in particular has this routine where he will sit there and just – I want to – Norm, give me a better word. I say work the football. That's what he's doing. He's well, sitting he, there. He's tossing around. He's, he's, he's handling it, and he does this before every drive. And he's just so meticulous about – his craft. Did I use the right word, Norm? 
Yeah, he's just doing hand drills, you know, making sure his hands, hand-eye coordination is where it needs to be. And, you know, he's doing it uh, a simple routine, but it, it's really fast, and it's just kind of getting him ready to go. And you can definitely see it on the field. Now, Norm, so those, oh, go ahead, Derek. I was going to say, you add those together, the, the, the planning, the, the route running. I think people don't understand how good a route runner Brandon Cooks is. We know Robert Woods is a good route runner. Brandon Cooks is, is good as well. And that's how you find him open time and time again. It's not just his speed. It's his route running. He does a great job. And that's what makes him so dangerous. Sure. Now, Norm, obviously losing a guy like Cooper Cup is going to impact the offense despite all the talent that it does you know, kind of possess. So a two-part question here for you. Um, how has his in, uh, absence impacted the offense and where has his targets kind of been distributed? Well, I'm a huge Cooper Cup fan. I'm originally from the West Coast. I got to watch him play in college. The guy is a phenomenal player, phenomenal person. Uh, I don't think he could get a better route runner. Him and him and Goff hit it off quickly, and I think for a while, uh, I would say Cooper was his safety valve. And so losing a guy like him, where I mean, the guy could be a head coach on the field. He's he's so smart. So losing a guy like him definitely impacted things. But Josh Reynolds has come in and replaced him, and he's not as not as good a route runner as Cooper Cup, but he's a little bit bigger body. Uh, I think he's a little more gifted athletically when it comes to to winning the 50-50 balls. And he's really stepped up and played well. But I think that's part of the reason you're starting to see more of our tight end play come in. Because without Cup there, uh, he needs somewhere else to go. And I think that's where it's been going. Gerald Everett, Tyler Higby. So I, I think that's the biggest impact. One thing I do want to say about uh, Brandon Cooks, I don't know if you know this or not, but he's the first receiver in NFL history to get 1,000 yards in three consecutive te- seasons with three different teams. Yeah, I saw that. That's that's crazy. Uh, it is crazy. Yeah, it shows his it shows his talent because to learn a new offense, playing a new scheme in a new area, you know, transitioning your home, doing all that stuff. There's a lot involved with changing teams, but to be able to be consistent like that with three different teams kind of shows you the player he is. Mm-hmm. And it all goes back to uh, how dedicated and detailed he is in his craft, like you guys were mentioning what you witnessed on the sidelines there last week in Detroit. Now, looking at this offense, something that took me by surprise is the fact that you guys are 18th in red zone efficiency, only scoring touchdowns on 58% of those trips. Now, I need to know, is that number reflective of how the offense really fares in a red zone? Because I can see that number and go, okay, obviously, you know, they're in the second half of the league in the red zone uh, efficiency. Uh, That might be an area where the Bears can potentially uh, exploit, even though the Bears' red zone defense hasn't been um, up to at least my standard as of late. Um, But Or is that potentially due to just the plethora of red zone trips that you guys have? Because you do lead the league uh, with 5.2 per game, which is incredibly high. The only team that does average more than 4.6 trips per game is you guys. So, are you guys struggling in the red zone or are you guys getting down there so much? It's just, you know, the law of averages here. I think it's a little both. I think you are there a lot. If you're that Rams offense is, is in the red zone a lot. And that just is also more opportunities for teams to stop them. But we've seen going back into last year that there are times that that offense will struggle a little bit getting in the end zone without that extra space between, say, 30 yards and out versus 20 yards and out in the, in the red zone. So I will tell you this, compared to last year, that has improved. And it's even improved as the year's gone on. They are much more dependable in the red zone than they were last year. They really are. 
it's just something that I think there's, you know, there's no perfect offense out there. We'd like there to be. That's one of the things that you seem to keep working on and keep fine-tuning as time goes on. But, yeah, it's a little bit above. Well, and Coach McVay has kind of shouldered a little bit of the responsibility there with his play calling because he tends to be a little bit pass-happy. And when you got a running back like Todd Gurley in the backfield, you know, you if you're with inside the, if you're inside the 10, chances are you could run it three times in a row and get in there. And there were several times where they didn't run the football and the teams were expecting the pass and played for it. And, you know, when you've got that many players in that small of an area defending, it makes it tough. So, you know, McVay took some of the responsibility for that. And like Derek said, as of late, they've been better. And I think a lot of that has to be because they've been using Gurley more in the red zone. Good stuff there, guys. Now, that's all I have on the offense. But real quick, before we transition over to a few questions on your defense, I just have a quick message for our listeners. And if you're listening, and if you haven't called in with your question for this week's audio mailbag, I need to know, like, what are you waiting for? Because if you haven't yet, uh, just make sure to do so. Brandon and Nick are eager to answer them on our next episode. And all you need to do is leave us a voicemail at 872-240-4007. Of course, this is your best chance to get your voice heard on our show. So, And on top of that, this is one of our favorite episodes each and every week. So make sure to give us a call uh, with whatever Bears questions that you may have this week. All right, getting back to business, guys. Getting over to your defense, uh, to start off, LA's defense to ranked 18th in yards allowed, uh, 367.3 per game. Um, that's only two yards away from dropping all the way down to 20 seconds. The very thick water is right there. And you're also 19th in points allowed per game at 25.5. I want to know, is the defense underperforming compared to maybe your expectations at the beginning of the year? Norm, I want to go over to you. Well, yeah, I think they're underperforming. A lot of it has to do with the fact that we lost Aqib Tlaib early in the season. Uh, when you lose a guy like him, that changes the whole dynamic. Marcus Peters kind of got hurt, and since then he hasn't been really right. And so that's made kind of a difference. But we really struggled in the run early, and a lot of that had to do with our gap integrity. When you got guys like Sue and Donald up front rushing the passer, that's their primary goal. A lot of times they were losing gap integrity and they were busting runs on us for 30, 40 yards. But I think when you have an offense like we do, you kind of you kind of go to a bend, don't break defense rather than you know trying to stop it real quick. And that seems to be what suits us better or it had suited us better. But now that we've got to lead back and Peters is starting to get a little bit better and uh, we picked up. Uh, I'm going to mess up his name. <laughs> Who'd we pick up, Derek? De- uh, Dante De- Fowler. Dante Fowler. Thank you. Dante Fowler has made a difference. I think uh, uh, that's really helped shore up our outside. And Corey Littleton's really starting to 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 kind of mesh. You know, it's his first year at middle linebacker as a starter. So when you take all those things into play, I think we're getting better as time goes on. And then Aaron Donald, I mean, his – he stepped up his game so much. The last, I think out of the last three games, two of the wins are from him. If it wasn't for him doing what he did on defense, I think the scores would have been a little bit different. So when you got a guy like him up front and uh, he's causing the havoc that he is, I think we're going to get better as the season progresses, which is what you want. You know, when you get closer to the playoffs, that's when you want your defense to gel. And I think we're finally starting to get there. Of course, it has to be the week where you're, you know, coming to Chicago, you could have waited, you know, a week or two afterwards <laughs> and kind of figured that out. But, of course, like you mentioned, Aaron Donald and everyone here in Chicago, very, very worried about 
what he's going to bring to the table this Sunday night. He's such a stud. 16 and a half sacks on the year. Been giving offensive lines fits all season. And like you said, um, just like a player we have here in Chicago and a Cleo Mack, he's someone who can single-handedly uh, change the course of an entire game just due to making huge momentum-altering plays. So obviously uh, he and Sue are going to present matchup problems for the interior of our offensive line. I think that's a given. Um, but I'm curious, who are some of these guys – um, that maybe we don't know about, potentially off the edge, uh, that we should know a little bit more about heading into the game. And I think you mentioned one name, uh, Derek, with Dante Fowler. Is that correct? Yes. Dante Fowler came over for the for the Jaguars and for a fifth round pick. And uh, what he's he, he he man he struggled to adjust early. In the last couple of weeks, he's really come on. But the guy you really want to pay attention to right now, he's playing his head off, is Corey Littleton. He's been the saving grace of the linebacker core throughout the year. He does so much. And what many people also don't know is his battery mate there, one of his battery mates, at Samson Ibicom. Um Was it Ibicom, right? We, it, he and I, Norm and I, were <laughs> back and forth by Ibicom. It's Ibicom. actually Ibicom. Yeah. See, so he, what they've done now is they are actually coming together as a linebacking unit. They are getting better. And I think they will be better next year with a couple of different moves. But those are your three guys you want to pay close attention to. All three are getting better. Ibukam was the NFC's Defensive Player of the Week just two weeks ago. He dominated. He, he was amazing in the Chiefs game. The saving grace of the Chiefs game. Him and Aaron, him and Aaron Donald. So those are the names you want to know. You want to know them, and you, and you want to be aware of what they do. And one thing the Rams are also doing is they're doing a lot more rotating than they did earlier in the year. They're getting more comfortable with the guys they have. And one thing we saw a lot in – the Detroit game. There's a lot of rotation on the defensive line and in the linebackers. There's no real set starting front seven anymore. They do a lot of rotations. That's interesting. Um, I'm surprised it's working for you, but it makes sense in a, in a sense where uh, players are staying fresh and especially with a defensive line, that's going to be huge. But to do that with linebackers and to not have any drop off a of play is uh, it's an interesting strategy, but of course it's working for you. So obviously no need to fix it there. Um, but, Norm, over to you, because I'm looking at your secondary, and I see three different players that have multiple interceptions on the year. Um, looking at that unit, I want to know your take. Uh, who's playing well? Has anybody been a liability and pass coverage so far this year? I think the biggest thing that we've seen in pass coverage this year, as far as a liability goes, is Wade Phillips doesn't tend to keep a safety back to double-team some of the top-tier wide receivers. And so we've gotten burned. Marcus Peters tends to to watch the quarterback in the backfield a little too much, and every once in a while he gets beat. But I, I honestly, getting Aqib to lead back, I think that is the the key to this whole matchup. You know, when he played in the first half of the Detroit game, it was a different defense. As soon as they set him out in the second half, uh, just because he was on a pitch count, you could definitely tell the difference there. So the secondary, I think overall, you've got Troy Hill, who has some bad moments and has some good moments uh but he's definitely as the season's progressed tightened it up and starting to play really well uh you've got sam shields who you know had a had a couple years off of football from concussions from green bay and then came to the rams and now he's starting to settle in and looks pretty good and then of course our safeties john johnson and uh he's he, they still have some problems at times buying the the quarterback looking looking them off 
And, you know, if they can, if they can play solid and, and, and do their job correctly, I think you guys will struggle a little bit, but it, it all really rotates around to keep to leave. If he plays the whole game and he's back a hundred percent, it's going to be tough for you guys. How does he play? Does he stick to one side of the field? Does he shadow uh, the best option that the offense is bringing out there? Uh, what should I expect from him? They put him all over the field. Sometimes I'll give you an example earlier in the year, uh, Oakland, we were playing Oakland and uh, one of our former Rams playing tight end was killing us. I mean, you know, he was totally killing us and we were like, what the heck is going on? Second half, Akeem Tlaib's covering him and it really changed the dynamic of the game. So you'll see Peters cover the number one. Sometimes you'll see Tlaib cover him. Sometimes they're not afraid to pull either one of those guys out and put Troy Hill or Sam Shields in, keep them fresh. So, Really, it kind of, it's kind of a guessing game on who's going to be covering you. And I think that kind of helps at times. Uh, but Tlaib's like having another coach on the field. And uh, I think it makes a big difference. And, you know, if he plays a full half and he's playing at 100%, our defense will be much better. Really good insight there about Tlaib. I didn't really under, uh, know coming into this that that's kind of how the Rams like to deploy him, which, again, it's going to make life difficult for some of these Bears playmakers because, say, someone – uh, like our second-round pick, Anthony Miller, if he comes out and has a strong first half and Trubisky starts relying on him a little bit, then, of course, that could be a great adjustment for the Rams to kind of shut him down and force Trubisky to kind of look elsewhere on the offense through his progression. So definitely something to pay attention to this week, Bears fans. Well, and you have to consider, too, that Tlaib's been in the Wade Phillips system for a while at Denver. So he's very familiar with this defense and can really, I mean, he could literally make the calls on the sidelines. So it really helps. And something to add on to as well, and that is when this – well, not when. Before the season got underway, when this secondary is put together, we talked about this. I honestly believed that – I honestly believe that this Rams secondary was one of the deepest I've ever seen, just from top to bottom. And we're calling them Los Angeles. To league, it's hurt, and everything went to crap. And – in all honesty, the back part of that secondary, the safeties have had a really hard time this year, and so it's not just Peters. So in a lot of ways, it's been disappointing. It's been very disappointing. Then we see Tlaib in that first half in Detroit, and with Tlaib covering the outside, they sent Peters on a blitz, a nasty blitz. And that was an element. Normally, I look at each other and said, we haven't seen that. That's the element that Tlaib brings. Tlaib as that safety, that safety to the secondary, not a safety position, but to just – the overall ability of the secondary to do different things, stuff that Wade Phillips was not doing for much of the season with Tlaib on the bench. And so maybe just maybe they can start living up to their potential with Tlaib back. We still don't know how good he's going to be, though, to, to really finish out this year. But what we saw in the first half was vintage. Just early, in, early, early in the season, you were seeing our safeties blitz. And then as soon as Tlaib went down, you didn't see another safety blitz, I don't think, all season. So it's really changed the whole dynamic. Sure sounds like it. Now, something that else has kind of turned around has been uh, your third down defense because earlier in the year they were struggling to get off the field on third down. But um, especially over the last three games, that has kind of turned itself around. They're only allowing a conversion rate of 29%. And, of course, that's uh, looking at the rankings here. That's the third best defense over the last three games played. Not three weeks, but actual three games played per team. Uh, so I want to know, guys, what's led to that turnaround on third down? Uh, because, of course, you guys were, I wouldn't say struggling mightily, but a little bit worse than I'm assuming you guys were uh, liking. 
Aaron Donald. <laughs> Simple enough. That's that's really, I mean, Aaron Donald and a couple other guys stepping up. Samson become, you know, he gets a fumble recovery for a touchdown. He gets an interception for a t- touchdown. He gets a he gets a sack. I mean, he's had the game of his life. Um, you just kind of see those when Aaron Donald's doing his thing and they're having to really focus on him, it opens it up for the other guys a little bit. So I really, I think it all comes down to Aaron Donald, just like I'm sure the bears could say there's been several times this season where if it wasn't for Khalil Mack, things might've been different. It's certainly that way with us, in my opinion. Yeah, like I said, it's simple, but it makes all the sense in the world. Uh, Derek, I'm curious of how worried you are about the Rams playing in a cold weather game on the road in Chicago, because a lot of fans here tend to think it's a big advantage in our favor. Do you buy into that or not? I do. It's it's the first time the Rams have really played in cold weather since Denver and Denver gave them problems. Add in the high elevation. Let's give, let's give Denver that to the high elevation, but it's a, Look at throughout history. The Bears have always given the Rams problems. They lead the all-time series 53 to 36 to 1. The the Bears just they're they're one of the five, six teams in the league that just seems to always have the Rams number. Play on Sunday night, under lights, the wind, the cold, tough defense. And I and that Bears pass rush up front. Those are factors for me that make this game really dangerous for the Rams and how I and how I view this matchup. To me, it's totally different. They're playing L.A. in the sun on Sunday afternoon or even a Sunday evening for that matter. It's just the environment is fit for a Bears win if they do the right things out there. Sure. Yeah. Great stuff there. And Norm, is there anything else about the Rams either on offense, defense, special teams that perhaps I didn't bring up? They want to make sure our listeners know heading into this week. Yeah, we have a couple of X factors I think you could throw in there with Johnny Hecker as our punter. That guy, I mean, he's like having an actual extra all-star on the team because he can flip the field position on you in a hurry, you know, and he when he's punting from the 10 and puts it on the 10 on the other end. Um, our special teams coverage is really good. If you guys get uh if you guys have to punt deep in your own territory, Corey Littleton's I think blocked two punts already this year. Um, he can be really dangerous. Jojo Natson, uh, we were talking about him at the Detroit game. He looks like he's a sixth grader in size. I mean, he's just a small guy, but boy, he plays like he's 300 pounds and full of muscle, man. That guy is fast and he makes some good cuts. So I, I would say if, if everything's equal, I would look towards our special teams to, to be that X factor. All right. So, guys, one last question. It's a two-parter, and it's how I end every Meet the Opponent episode. And since there are two of you, I'm going to go ahead and just divvy this up. And the first question is, um, at the end of the day, what did the Rams need to do to pull away uh, with the victory? What's the recipe for success? And, Norm, I know you have the Rams winning this game because I was just on your podcast. I'm going to go ahead and hand this one over to you. All right. Well, I think the key to this whole game is they can't turn the ball over. If they if they don't win the turnover battle, um, they're going to struggle in this game. And uh, that has a lot to do with how our offensive line blocks your front seven. So I think that's the biggest worry. But uh, just to make sure your fans know, this is the first time all season I haven't picked the Rams to score over 30 points. Um, that's props to your defense. Uh, I only had them winning by seven. So uh, I, I really respect the Chicago team. I, I've... I had them picked to win the division early in the year. 
And, uh, you know, this is going to be a tough game. So they just got to play smart, not turn the ball over, and not give up any really big plays on defense. Great stuff. And over to you, Derek. Of course, this is going to be the flip side of the question because I know you actually picked the Bears to win. So what's the recipe for the Rams' demise this week? Protecting or lack of protecting on Jared Goff. I don't like the matchup up front to me. It's not a good matchup. Uh, We've seen some slowing down on the left side of the line. That's a perfect spot to nail nail Jared Goff, get behind Witt. And so that's where I'm concerned. That's where I see the trouble. And that's where I see the Bears forcing some turnovers and and causing some problems up there. And uh, with with the things I was talking about before, the weather, the the fact that it's at night, the wind, great defense, uh, I see this as a major danger game for the Rams. It's to me – to this point this year, they've, they've had games, some tough ones against the Packers before they collapsed, which I'm sure you're happy about. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, against the Vikings, against even the Chiefs, to me this is the toughest test because the environment is so hostile to what they are that to, we're going to learn a lot about this Rams team come Sunday. If they can keep it closed, if they, if they fight a war and it's wound up being a great game, then – there's a lot to be happy about this Rams team. There was anyways, by the way. But if they will, under the, the different environment, it's going to raise some new questions about the team that we had in thought all year. All right. So, guys, that's all I have for you. I want to thank you again for joining us. But, Derek, real quick before I let both of you guys go, uh, just in case some of our listeners want to kind of keep tabs on the Rams this week, how can they follow along with your guys' content? Oh, the Rams talk about nets. That's for any written content we have out. Our podcasts are there. Uh, go to us on Twitter at Talk Rams. We're also on Facebook, all those places. Um, we're, we're anywhere you can find a, a podcast. Good Lord, I think we're somewhere in Russia, too, for all we know. No collusion there, I promise. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, we can find us anywhere. You can find me on Twitter at DC Paul. You can find Norm at Norm Hightower. I mean, we're, we're pretty much everywhere. Perfect stuff. All right, so I know I learned a ton of things, and I'm positive that our listeners did as well. So on behalf of everyone, again, just – Thank you for taking the time to join me tonight to talk about this upcoming Bears-Rams game. And like you said, I think we're going to learn a lot about both of these two teams when it's all said and done. So thanks again, guys. Hey, thanks for having us on, and thanks for coming on our show. That'll do it for this episode, Bears fans. I want to thank you all for tuning in to the show. Up next is our weekly audio mailbag. So remember, give us a call at 872-240-4240. 007 and leave your questions for Brandon and Nick and they'll answer it on the show. But until then, bear down, Chicago. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Ah, mmm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. 
That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.